It is the final Comets Insider of the 2022-23 season. We were hoping, of course, to extend this Comets Insider Comets season uh, for a little longer, but it was a series loss this past weekend against the Marlies that ended the Comets' hopes of a Calder Cup in their 10th anniversary season. And, you know, the Comets came into the Adirondack Bank Center with the hopes of, at the very least, splitting with Toronto after they split with the Marlies on the road. But unfortunately, a pretty good Marlies team with rejuvenated goaltending from Eric Schalgren stymied the Comets' ability to take hold of the series. And so the series ended with a 3-1 loss, a 3-1 series loss in the best of five against a team that was the regular season North Division champs as the Comets were the season before that. You know, if you look back at turning points in the season series, I think it's pretty evident that the third period of the game on Wednesday night would be, was that turning point as the Comets skated into the third period in a tie game 2-2. The winner of that period, or perhaps the winner of overtime if it needed would go to take a 2-1 series lead and therefore putting one team's back against the wall. And that better team in that third period was the Marlies. And the Marlies ended up winning that game on Wednesday. And of course, as you know, the game that took place on Friday resulted in the Comets losing the contest. And uh, that one was a game which the Comets had a lead, uh, but were unable to hold that lead and eventually skated away uh, Losing it. So it's a tough way for the Comets to go out at home in front of a home crowd with several huge moments in that game on Wednesday that they just weren't able to grab a hold of. They had six power plays on Wednesday night, including a double minor penalty against Toronto. So a four minute power play in that third period. And they just couldn't find a way to get a goal to at least bring the game within reach. And as that game was going on, Three goals scored by Toronto in the third period, including from Ryan Jasowski, who scored a second of the game, Pontus Holberg and Logan Shaw. Those were the differences in the game. Um, if you look back, and we're in a noisy Adirondack Bank Center, please forgive us, but uh, they're taking out the ice today, <laughs> so that's happening as well. But, you know, you go back that game and the Comets uh, in that contest, they had a, a, a disadvantage in the game. They were down by a score of uh, one nothing. In the, in the game uh, going into the second period. But that's when the Comets started to play, I think, the best period of that game. In fact, they did play the best period of that game on Wednesday night. And uh, and, and it was it was a game which they were down one nothing. Ryan Chisowski scored it. And, and then about five minutes into the second period, another goal. Kyle Clifford scored in a penalty shot. So things weren't looking very good for Utica until Arnie Talvitti at 5.33 made it a 2-1 game and the, the home crowd rose to their feet it was a phenomenal moment 14.42 to go now in the second period they brag him off in the near corner they brag him off to the point Russo Rister deflected at the point, just putting a shot towards the net, knowing that you just gotta get pucks towards the net and good things will happen. Telvini getting a piece of it and just putting it by on the right
right side of the Toronto goaltender. Great redirection by Arnie Telvitti, as we see in the replay. Great de- deflection. Telvitti, I think, had a phenomenal playoff, by the way, and I think he was a big contributor to what the Comets were able to generate, not only coverage in the D zone, but I think also um, uh, his, his, his offense came to the fore in the playoffs like it had been done previously. And that was, a, I think, a big deal. So he did help add offense to the, to the team, and it was evident there in that game. And then they would get another goal, and not talk about another young guy coming in and just playing some incredible, incredible hockey all year long. We're going to highlight him later on in this broadcast, too. Shimo Nemitz made it a 2-2 game on Wednesday night in the second period, and the place went crazy. Nolan Stevens, the faceoff down again. It's won by Toronto, now picked up here by Jordy Ben, and looks up the ice. Ben holds on, launched to the center ice where it's cut off by Clark. Here's Stevens busting through. Stevens center. Nemitz in. Shooting! They've tied it! It's 2-2! What a shot. Great play here. Having the patience on the boards to find Nemitz streaking in. Coming down. Broadway and just rips it low just over the pad it looks like Comets tie at 2-2 with 2.08 left Shimo Nemitz I mean just continue to be a monster of force both defensively and offensively but that was the last time the Comets scored a goal in that game and they would give up goals to Jozowski, Holmberg and Logan Shaw with the empty netter with a minute and 20 left to go and that was the tail of that game so you figure alright you're going to go into Friday your back's against the wall. you got to have the best game of the year. And uh, they went into Friday, and it just didn't go their way. Uh, although I would say that Comets, I think, I think had the better first period. And they were tied at 8-8 in terms of shots on goal. And so Xavier Perron, who you're going to hear from later on in this broadcast, he scored the goal to make it 1-0. So at least it was looking pretty good when Xavier Perron had this nifty backhander as the Comets threw the puck in front. Around to Jeremy Grohl. Grohl is stepping in, covering for him as Hollerick centered. Back in. Great pinch there by Grolo, getting the puck to the center. Like we said last game, just get pucks in front, good things will happen. Xavier Perrant with a good rebound, spin move, five hole. Great play by the Comets. Jeremy Grolo started that by pinching in, as you said, and then Perrant didn't hesitate. Turns, puts it on goal, it's a one nothing game. That's what Utica wanted, and now they have the lead. Yeah, they had the lead, all right, and they were playing with the lead and, and, and a one nothing game heading into the second period. But again, we talk about turning points. That second period was all Toronto. 23 shots for Toronto, only nine for Utica. And as the period ended, three goals for Toronto. Dahlstrom, uh, Pe- uh, Matteo Petroniero, and Logan Shaw all scored goals to put the Comets down 3-1 to one, heading into the final uh, period. And then Kyle Clifford scored an empty netter at 1958 and this is what the end of the game sounded like when Clifford scored in the last seconds of the Comet season clicked off. A parallel to the ice here's Walsh. To hold to let it go he sent it wide. 30 seconds left to go. Down 3-1 to one. Walsh holds again. Rister. That missed 23 to go 
Perhaps the Comet season will end. Three to one. The deficit here. They need two goals in the next 15 seconds. Nolan Stevens to Walsh. Fired and blocked. It's out to center ice. The Comets will fall to the Toronto Marlies. Three to one. And the Marlies are going on to add an empty netter with Kyle Clifford. And they will play the winner of Rochester and Syracuse. In a season that saw some phenomenal moments, this one ends at home here at the Adirondack Bank Center. A tough loss. There's no doubt about it. A tough loss for Utica because, again, they had a chance in a 1-1 series to come back at home and, you know, at the very least, you know, it's not easy to beat anybody two games in a row, let alone three games in a row. But you want to have, at the very least, a split. You want to win both games at home. But Toronto came to the road and won both games inside the Adirondack Bank Center. And that's the tough thing. We're going to have a Comets uh, insider come back with us in the next segment to talk and break down the season series and the season. We're also going to have an in-depth interview with Xavier Perron, who ends up being, I think, one of the MVPs of the playoffs. And then we're going to go in our final segment and have a, a goals of the year segment as well. As we highlight certain players who were absolutely fantastic during the course of the season. We'll highlight that as well. We'll come back with more after a commercial break on Comets Insider, the very last Comets Insider of the season. We'll return after this on 94.9 K-Rock. Welcome back here on 94.9 K-Rock. Jason Shia along with Michael Lear, who gave us insights for every single playoff game, I believe. And uh, now we're here at the very end. Of fans know this is the last Comets Insider of the season. Unfortunately, we're hoping to extend it as... Uh, that series against Toronto. But um, before we talk about the season in its entirety and kind of some of the highlights of the year, and later on in this broadcast, fans are going to hear some of the best moments of the uh, of the playoffs. Just that series against Toronto, we talked about it in the first segment here, went over the goals. I think that the TSN turning point, if you want, is it's a 2-2 game, game three, third period, and a chance to leave that period if you win it up and putting the other team with their backs against the wall and and Toronto just had way more moxie way more opportunities and way more uh, swagger going into that period and that the series never really turned around from there and it was surprising I think because this team the Comets have had so much swagger at home and the crowd has helped so much especially in these playoff games that it, it was definitely a bummer I think the fans were equally as upset as the players and the coaches and everybody and uh, yeah the Marlies we didn't know what to expect maybe we I mean, as people who just cover the team and watch the team, we thought Toronto might not have that swagger going yeah. into the series at all. And, boy, they showed up on the road in a huge third period, and I agree that turned the series. What's amazing to me is, and I talked about this during the broadcast, but the, the Laval Rocket came into the playoffs humming. They, were, they won 8-10. They were the team to beat. 10,000 people jammed to their building. Everyone thought they were going to be one of the top teams to come out of the, you know, out of the division. And they were beat by a Comets team that toyed with them. The Comets were that much better. Then you go against Toronto. They hadn't played in 11 games, 11 days rather. They had limped into the playoffs. They had, had been listless the entire time the last months of March and April. The game here in this building, the Comets beat them 5 nothing. It's if Toronto wasn't even in the building that day. And they beat you three of four games and both back-to-back games at home at it's kind of it's very surprising. Yeah, and and how they turned it around. Obviously, they won game one. They didn't it, on paper. It didn't look like they had to turn anything around in the series. But the Comets dominated game one and game two. Game two obviously ended up lopsided. But you would think that a team that limped in, that was ready to go home, and they got a little taste of what summer could be like. You know, it's fifty-five degrees, and you're hanging out in Toronto for a little bit longer than you might expect. 
I thought they wouldn't come back with such fire after yeah. game two, and they yeah, totally, I, totally did. I was, I agree with you. And then you go back to that uh, game four, uh, no, game, yeah, game four in here, Friday, second period. And Toronto put 23 shots on goal in the second and had three goals as a result of it. And in the end, when you look back, you go, if you're going to win a playoff series, that's the kind of stuff that can't happen. Yeah, and I thought Nico Dawes was going to steal that game. Like, until the first Toronto goal, it was, I think it was 23 shots exactly until they had their first goal, right? Well, I mean, Nico was fantastic. Yes, he and was. It wasn't his fault that they lost that game, no. but I thought for a little bit, oh, this might be a magic Nico Dawes steal one give up just one or even post a shutout in a playoff game. Uh, let's talk about the season uh, in its entirety. I guess if you want to, uh, maybe we should talk about a player. Should we talk about players or moments? So yeah, maybe sure. you pick. I, I, this was If you had to pick what happened this year and you take from it, I think a couple of things. Simo Nemec's emergence as a I think NHL-ready defenseman. It'll be hard to break into that decor in New Jersey, but that's not our problem. They'll figure that out. That's a good problem to have. Uh, the emergence of Graham Clark as a uh, top-tier AHL player who got his first ever call-up to the NHL, although didn't play. But we saw him go from a young kid last year to, like, every night he's on the score sheet. So I thought that was fantastic. And I thought the, uh, the emergence, again, another player, uh, Kira Schmidt, going from the American Hockey League to the starting goalie in the playoffs in the NHL with two shutouts against the New York Rangers. How that ends up, I don't know, but those are, I think, three great storylines that I can think of. Yeah, I think that Akira's is probably my favorite because if you remember, beginning of last year, we get these two goalies that no one's ever heard of, Akira Schmid and Nico Dawes, and they're rookies that are finding their way, and we end up with one of the best goaltending duos in the American Hockey League for a majority of that season. Obviously, they each got called up here and there, but when I was getting texts during the Devils playoff games of people who I have family in New Jersey saying, do you know who this who kid is? Yeah, yeah, who is, who is this goalie? Saying. And you're like, guy, yeah. you're like, oh, it's Kier Schmidt. Yeah, what he's been mean? around for two years. Yeah. So he, he's one of my favorite storylines. And then I think Riley Walsh's second half of the season, um, I was thinking about it around New Year's. I was just talking to Riley, and he said, big second half. I'm going to have a big second half. And if anyone knows Riley Walsh, he's an incredibly confident kid, and he has a ton of swagger in everything he does. But that conversation, he then comes out and just dominates in the second half. He led the team in assists. He gets 41 points. And for him to have the playoffs that he had, and I think one of my favorite sports moments was his goal to tie the game with two seconds Riley left Walsh. in a playoff game, yeah. in a clinching game at home. I mean, yeah, that, that was an amazing game. That's incredible. That was, you know, working in sports, full honesty, there's a lot of nights in the office. Win or lose, the office is the exact same, you know? Yeah, like, oh, of hey, course. All right, no, we, we did our job today. Yeah. We move on to the next day. Yeah. That was different. That was uh, uh-huh. everybody's coming back into the office. Even the people who are tired and have been working all day are right. a ton of energy. So um, I think that his story as far as the points, but that one moment will stick with me for really forever. That game was incredible. Yeah, that was, was awesome. the best game of the year. one nothing game until the final second. <laughs> right, it's true. Was that the, is that the most, uh, we've been here at the same time. Is that the best game we've seen here? I think so. I can't. Th- and I'm, I'm, we're going to go. What about this game? Yeah, I mean, the thirteen and zero start was unbelievable. That's true. And there were moments during that that thirteen and zero that you thought, and and everyone here chanting undefeated when you won that thirteenth game. That was that awesome. Was that was a really cool moment. But to win a series like that in overtime in the playoffs, 
Plus, the call the was building. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the building was sick. It, it was. was so much it was energy. loud. And it then they carried it in overtime easily, and we didn't, you know, it, it was it was awesome. I don't know if I can think of a better game. I'm trying to, I'm there overtime. I remember a Holtz overtime winner. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. There was but, an early season. But that doesn't, yeah, yeah. but it doesn't compare but it's just an to the playoffs. Winner, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was hoping that we'd get something like that out of the, one of the Toronto games and win because there were the fans were into it again yeah. as they as they usually are. And LeBurge scores the game winner. I know. I mean, no I know. offense to Samuel LeBurge, but if Fourth you were line. to, if you were to play that on. game, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. That was so cool. Um, this next season now, because this will be the last comments, et cetera, obviously, just to look a little bit ahead to next season. Uh, and no one knows what the roster is going to look like. No one knows what New Jersey is going to do, what moves they're going to make this summer. You never really know what your core is going to be like for the AHL. Obviously, the focus is on making sure the NHL team is the best and, and most capable and ready to play. Um, but I I'd imagine this team will once again be competitive. I, I don't know whose contracts carry over in the next year. Um, but I do imagine, like every American League team, we're going to see a, a pretty different team. Yeah, I think the proximity to New Jersey will always help this team be competitive. You're not you're not sending guys out west every week so you can't have those fringe guys. You know, the Graham Clarks, the, if next year Nemitz is a fringe guy, he might spend a little bit more time here before he's a full-time NHL defenseman. Um, so I, I'm excited about next season. I think that having the leadership that this team has and if you have your Watherspoon, Gambardella, Schmelzer group back, not only those guys make the team better it makes working with the team better it makes everything so much easier when your leadership remains intact because in the ahl it's all you can i mean from the ahl perspective it's all you can control you know you have a couple guys that are going to lead your team yeah i thought like to me one of the big factors was for toronto logan shaw he's their team captain he's an unbelievable player i thought he played his best hockey in the playoffs against us and he's a veteran guy i think he's 29 years old you know, they're paying him big money to play in the American League. And I think that's one thing. I mean, Dan McKinnon is a great general manager. He's going to figure it all out. He's put together back-to-back years of very, very competitive teams. And we expect nothing less. But you do hope you have that bona fide game-breaker like a Sam Annis. You hope you have one of those guys step in your lineup and chase the Leo. And, you, had, you know, A.J. Greer that one year. Because goal scoring is tough. And the playoffs yeah. is tough. Yeah, having – we retreated, I think, with last year's talent. Yeah. I mean, you had Zetterland, Holtz. DeLeo and Greer. If you were yeah. going to say who's going to score the big goal tonight, it wasn't really a question of are, who are you going to find somebody. It's which one of those four right. is going to be the guy that does it. Um, I think that while well, that, that's one of those things AHL fans might not recognize what the offseason's like, where we're all looking out for the Chase DeLeos of the world. It'd be fun to have one of them. All right. Well, we're going to talk about a kid who might be here next year and be great if he is. Xavier Peranto will give us some insight on how his season went, season went, and then we'll have some highlights from the best moments of the year. We'll come right back after this on 94.9 K-Rock. Welcome back on 94.9 K-Rock. Jason Shine the broadcast booth. Happy to be joined by forward Xavier Perrant. First of all, thanks for making the climb up the stairs to come here. No problem. <laughs> uh, this has been an exciting year for you. Playing at the Quebec Major Junior League, they're coming over and playing pro, ECHL, now the American League. Um, it's happening pretty quick, but you're, you found a spot in the lineup and pretty good so far. Yeah, I think when I, I had a good start in the East Coast and after Christmas I got called up maybe two times or three times. Yeah. And every time I had the chance, I think I played good. So right now I was 13 forwards, first game of playoff. Someone got injured, so I think um, everything, when when you have a chance, you have to take it. So I think so far, that's what I'm doing, but I just have to keep going, and the team's going really well, too. So last game was used for us, so I think we just have to keep going like that. 
You know, I was uh, talking to uh, Eric Weinrich, uh, who's helping out, of course, a defenseman, but he's on the ice with the team, and he said to a bunch of guys who were skating, they were extra guys, he said, listen, it's your job to be ready. It's your job to be ready at all times because you never know when an injury comes about. If you think this is just a skate for fun, it's 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 not for fun. It's a job. And, and I think you took to that pretty well because – all of a sudden, you go from watching game one to mm-hmm. playing in the series, and that's a big that's a big difference. And let's talk about it because you were on the ice for the for the series winning goal. The pl- play by you was on the left wing yeah. over to Nemitz. Nemitz shot in in the back of the net. I mean, is that amongst one of the most exciting moments of your career? Considering they, uh, you weren't even playing the other game. Yeah, it's it's something nice. Like um, I'm from Laval too, so I live like ten minutes. So when I was the games, for sure, it's it's tough to watch. It's always tough to watch a game from uh, upstairs, but I think sometimes you learn. And like you said. Um, Practice, it's really important. So yeah. during that week, I was practicing with the team too. So it's always a chance to to plan the lineup. So one Friday, I was playing. I was pretty excited to play against Laval too. I know a lot of guys I trained with during summer. So just to to have the chance, to, like you said, to to be part of the of that golden nutty was incredible. It's uh, it's something I remember forever, and I just yeah. can't wait to see the boys doing summer that I trained with Laval to just say that I was on the <laughs> winning goal. Yeah, yeah. Said, so it was it's pretty nice. But uh, I think, like you, you said, it's just uh, having a chance and take it. That's a, a huge part of hockey too. Who were some of the guys? Did you play with anybody in Laval that was in Sherbrooke? Uh, I played when I was uh, younger with Simono, but I trained okay. with Gignac, Harvey okay. Pinar, Tizel. It's Couple of guys that uh, they stay there in Laval, all, all yeah, summer. all summer long. So, a couple of guys are from there too, but I know Harvey Pinot is from uh, five, five hours from uh, oh, wow. from Laval. But I think with Montreal, they want him to yeah. to stay there for some that makes so, sense. Yeah, how about uh, how far did uh, Laberge grow up from Laval? Is he right there? I think it's 45 minutes, maybe. Oh, it's so more, it's not he's more, more south, yeah, he's more south Montreal. I'm more north Montreal. So, is there a rivalry between south and north? Montreal? <laughs> uh, I never played against Bergen Jr. because oh, when did. I was yeah, he's older than you, right? Yeah, yeah, when I was 16, he was 20, but he went play in Texas. I yeah, think. he went to play pro, I think. Yeah, so I never pl- had the chance to play against him. Now we have, I think, three French guys now yeah. Rolo, you, and, and Leberge. And now we have, I think, we have. Three Finns, I yeah. think, too. Yeah. So it's a pretty. And I don't. Do we have any Swedes in the team? Yeah, we have Holtz. Oh yeah, Holtz. Yeah, everyone's yeah. got their own. Everyone's got their own thing going. Yeah. How about this? When you're in the room and you're talking to Sam Leberge, you talk to him in English. Yeah, we have to. I mean, you have to speak it, English, right? Yeah, it's, when you're with the boys, it's. I mean, sometimes it's hard because, like you know, if we're any out, outside the ring, we talk in French. But when you're in the room, you won't talk English to everyone. Of course, be yeah. part of conversations. Yeah, no so I think it's a huge part of Pirocchi too. When I was junior, I was captain too. So like, I tried to bring more English because like we have in Sherbrooke is different where I played junior because we have like um, a town club Sherbrooke. It's really English, so oh. that's why like English guy likes playing Sherbrooke because like they live there with their billet. So like during a team we have maybe eight guys last year that, that were English. So I like like to bring everyone. Really? Up. There were eight players that didn't really. Yeah, so and they didn't speak French at all. Or very not little? really, not really, because we have like two Europeans guys and like four, five guys from Maritime. So the, we had uh, when I was um, in Charlotte, we had a kid and his brother. I can't remember his name. They're both from Montreal. They both went to Harvard. Oh, no, that's going to kill me here. He one of them was a Utica Comet too. Anyways, and he was from Montreal. He spoke French, but his first language was English. Yeah, you would Montreal, never hear Montreal Laval. It's really English. I'll say like downtown Montreal. It's way more English than really? French. Yeah, but not their first language in Montreal. Or no? Uh, honestly, it's sometimes when I go like eat at restaurants in Laval. Okay, people 
like if you like beside you at the table, people are gonna maybe talk more English. It depends. It's Interesting. Depending on where you're really from, too. So, um, this has been, uh, I, you know, if you go from junior hockey to pro hockey. You go from the Quebec League to the American League. That's a in my in my history of, of knowing the sport. That's a pretty big difference in the way they play. Yeah. How difference? How different is it in the way the systems work and the way things go for? You as a junior player to turning pro ECHL in the American League has it been has it been a big adjustment for you? Yeah, I think it's really the everyone's fast. Everyone was yeah. first line when they were college or yeah. junior. I mean, junior or college, it's a lot of like when you play in a good team, it's really two really good lines, like six guy that's going to play pro. If you're like in a winning team, so it's here. It's everyone that was the best in their junior team or right. college team. So that's right. the. And everyone's big, fast. Like I said, like there's no like slow guys or like, and the, there's not a lot of chances during a game. Like it's really tight play compared to junior or even East Coast. Like right. East Coast, it's more like um, you have more times to make your plays. You yeah. have more space, or even like during a game, I will have more shots than here. But I mean, it's that's the thing that uh, since Christmas, I think I find to have more chances or just play play my game that I used to play in junior too to be confident play with the puck be fast play physical so I think uh, so far it's pretty good yeah. one of the things that I love is that when a player comes up from the ECHL they put that player in a position to succeed and oftentimes you'll see players even go up to the NHL fourth line fourth line mm-hmm. no power play but you're a power play guy you're, yeah. you're, a, you're a skilled player and this team is giving you an opportunity to do that in a role where you can succeed and I have to say, it's pretty obvious. Now, they're using you to your strength. How much does that matter to you? Yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, if, like you said, sometimes uh, AHL guys go in the NHL and play fourth line. It's, yeah. it's hard. You play six minutes a game, seven minutes a game. So it's honestly when you play more in, like, in a game, you play 15 minutes, it's way easier just to be in the game. Right. To Like you said, I play power play. Uh, I play with really good guys, so it's I have a lot of ice time too. So it's way easier to play it this way than just come here and play fourth line, don't play power player or anything else. So I'm really appreciated what they what they do. They give me an opportunity, giving me a chance. So I just like Dino always told me like you have the chance to so just take it, and I think that's professional hockey. If, you, if yeah. one day it's in the NHL, is the same yeah. thing. When you have the chance, you have to take it, and that's why I learned a lot this year too. So, for fans, I mean, or listening, sometimes you know you get called up, and let's say you play five minutes a game, you're not doing anything in five minutes. No, you're yeah. getting over the red line, chipping pucks mm-hmm. in, you're going for a change. You're afraid to take chances because yeah. if you make a mistake, but yeah. if you if you know you're going to get the ice time, you you're not as uh, pressured yeah. to have to make mm-hmm. uh, just the easy play every time. You can play to your own strength and your own advantages, and obviously you've done that. If a player, if someone's watching you and ask you to describe your game and what makes you the player that you are. What are the attributes you think really characterize Xavier Perron's game? I think it's my speed for sure, but also my work ethic. I think when I watch NHL games, I try to... I really like Brad Marshall because, I mean, he's... The way he plays, I think it's the hardest way to play in the NHL. He, he has to do points. You have to score right. make points, and but he's always the hardest guy on the ice. Too. Yeah. He makes it. He tried to play in other heads uh, to uh, other team, but right, I right. think every night he's always there. So that's why I try to to bring every night in my game just to 
I mean, Jacer, it's another guy that I try to follow because I know like he play NHL guy, uh, NHL games, and he's that kind of guy that works always hard. He makes points. He's He's eating. He's talking to everyone he's on the ice. He's a talking, little bit yeah. rad. That's yeah. that's a way that I think um, since I'm 17, I think when I was junior, I started playing that way because I like playing that way. I feel I'm more in the game. I'm more like But helping the team. You, so I, I don't like, see you chirping though as much. Do you? It doesn't. Is it your is it your personality? It's I don't know. Like right now, when I'm more comfortable, like when I'm play, uh, playing against Laval, I yeah. I know like some guys, so that's why I, it was easier to chirp. But I I think. Just the way I, uh, I know, like when I play this way, it's better for your team because I know I'm better that way. So right, that's how I'm right. trying to do more and more every game. So talk to me about your parents, uh, mom and dad. Um, how supportive are they? Tell me about your family growing up. You had a brother who played hockey too. Yeah, older. I have a uh, older sister too. Uh, they always follow me. I mean, uh, my parents for me and my brother, they they spend a lot of money when we because both of where we played midget when I was 14. It's was cool and hockey so we it oh, yeah. was really expensive but i think they always put the work they were my sister stopped playing soccer because they wanted she wanted more to come at her game to me my brother's game so it's, wow. she was always there for me same for my brother he's still there he's now coaching in the junior back home which league so, uh, it's junior a back okay. home okay but he he really likes it and he's because he has Insta too like that's where we use uh, so air. he watches your, your players yeah he's like he really likes it and my parents they're, they're really there since I'm young so. did, did your dad uh, play hockey at all he played but like more for he, that his friend always told me that he, he was a good player but he never played pro or something I like see. that he just stopped because after he went to school to to study but um, like it's only four four hours from my home here so they always come when they they're about come they're here? gonna come this, yeah they're gonna, they're gonna come this weekend so Good. they're always there even when I, I was in East Coast they were there junior and when I played in Alfax it was 12 hours they were coming wow like five wow. six times a year so it was pretty nice I've said this a million times but you cannot become a professional hockey player without yeah. parents pulling mm -hmm. the rope for you yeah. because one it's very expensive so you know, mm -hmm. hockey is really expensive yeah, like expensive. you mean but it's a lot of yeah. time to all and weekends Yeah, and it's it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're if you're you know maybe a single parent and you're working full time, and then the kids got to go to a tournament, you're gone for two three days. I don't know how mm -hmm. you do it. You can't no, do it without really both parents. Hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're um, you grew up in uh, the Montreal area, so. Tell me who you're. You told me Brad Marchand, but is there, were you a Montreal Canadiens fan? Are you still a Montreal yeah. Canadiens fan? Yeah, for sure. It's it's so now this year in Montreal there. They're really young, so it's nice. Yeah. Like, there's a couple of guys that, uh, Justin Barron, that uh, he plays in Montreal right now. I play with him in junior, so it's nice yeah. to see those kind of guys that I play against in junior. Kevin Goulet, I play against in the Mem Cup when I was 17. It's it's nice to see them. I always, like, going to some... Last year, I went to three four games because Joshua, Joshua that was playing junior with... Uh, he played, like, an exhibition game, though, so oh, wow. I went there, so it's... It's nice. Uh, I'm. I don't. I don't say I'm a fan right now because with Utica, it's the NHL team's devil. So I watch. Honestly, I watch more Devils. Oh, than Because yeah? okay. it's nice to. Like I went to the NHL camp, so like I saw Brad use. It's nice to practice with them, and yeah. now you you can watch it at, on TV. So that's uh, that's really nice. But yeah, for sure, I was a huge fan of uh, Montreal when I was younger. Every time I go up, and uh, you know, if I get the pleasure, uh, the luxury, or the benefit of calling an NHL game, and you watch them, and of course we, you know, this is the American League, right? This is the second best league in the world, mm -hmm. or one of the best leagues in the world. But in the NHL, the passes, the shots, it's, always, it's, yeah, it's, it's really the the, ste the step. You can't really get there 
and be good at it unless you actually get a chance to play there. Mm-hmm. You, you can't, it's hard to reach that skill level. Yeah. But then when you get up and the adaption has to be made very quickly. Yeah. And in, once you do, it changes your game forever. Yeah. Like you said, it's crazy. I just like I was talking about Aubrey Pinard that plays the, he plays in Laval and he played in Montreal. Uh, I don't know how many games, but one game he has like a hat trick. Like it's crazy. I I was talking to him. He said like I, I play one game. I got the chance to play with Suzuki and uh, yeah. I don't know who was the other guy. I think it was uh, Kirby Dak and like he scored. That's that's why he told me it's like every time you have the chance you have to take it like right. it's not every day you're going to have a chance to play in the NHL with Suzuki so right it's he had a pretty good year Harvey Pinard yeah you know, 14 goals I think yeah so I think he's probably going to sign an NHL contract and play oh, next a, oh so no he was on an NHL contract yeah year. but I think he's going to play sign a one way this I year I see so. oh, he was on a two way yeah how old is he he's 24 maybe so he's not years young older. he's no, not young he's, yeah. yeah was he drafted no uh, yeah I got drafted when he was 19 uh, Never got wow. drafted 17, 18. Got drafted when it was 19. Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, obviously, Quebec, eh? Major yeah. Junior League? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, you're, this is a big game uh, coming up against Toronto. What have you seen from them so far? Look, their their top line is unbelievable. Like, Logan Shaw maybe the best player uh, in the North Division, or at least one of them. He's very, very good. You give Blandisi room, you give Abrazizi room, they're going to they're gonna do their damage. Um, I really like that kid on the back end, that Niemela, the defenseman, the young kid. They're a good team, man. They're a good team. It's one-one now as we're talking. But what are your what are your thoughts overall? I think last game they scored two power play goals, so I think that's going to be huge to be disciplined. Yeah. But yeah. they're like you said, they're really skills. I think Shaw played two hundred and more games in the yeah. NHL. So on power play, when he has a chance for one timer, it's, it's dangerous. Right. So it's I very think good. it's yeah. It's, they're really skills. They're D. They're always in the rush. They're really mobile. So I think it's we. The way that we play last game, I think we play hard. We play behind their D. I think that's gonna help us. Uh, they don't want to play defense because they're all really skilled. So yeah. I think that's gonna be huge for us to play more offense than defense. Because when they have control in offense, it's it's hard because they they're really smart guys. They're skills forward, skills D too. So. And they're, when you play a guy, a guy against Clifford or Bander, they play a lot in the NHL, so like they, they know how the game works, so that's why they have really good veterans, So as you can see on the series so far. Too, you imagine so. a guy like Kyle Clifford's won two Stanley Cups. It's pretty crazy yeah, it's to think about really it. Cra- yeah, I mean, it's both Cups with Los Angeles. Again, two Stanley Cups, still playing in the American League. Yeah, you have to love the game. I mean, I know it's a job, but he could easily step away and have his legacy solidified. But that guy still plays hard every shift. Yeah, it's crazy. He's like you said, he has two Stanley Cup, and he's playing. I'm playing against him, so it's pretty impressive to see the. Like you said, he's always working hard. Even Ben, like he, those two guys that are even Shaw. I think he plays a lot. There are three really good guys that playing right now for them that play in the NHL. So. I think those guys can make a difference, so that's why we, we have to be ready every game, you every can, time on the ice. So. And, you, you know, when if you if you have a guy on your team like Kyle Clifford, I think he fought Brian Howland, did he fight yeah. Brian? Like, if you have a guy like that on your team, you can't, as a young guy, take a shift off, can you? No. If he's playing yeah. hard like that, how, what does it say for you? You have to. I think that was huge for us. I think he... Clifford made a big hit on that on Grolo yeah, and did. Halo yeah. and to see them, and that make a message that even if he's, uh, like, a scary guy or that the guy that he's like he's a big veteran in the pro hockey league that Halo went to see him ask fight any fought it's, yeah, it's pretty huge said no and yeah it's pretty it's pretty huge to see that like it's a series that everyone wants to win everyone like will be there for each other so that's what a big message for us and I think after that we really start going on to I agree the game, after so. that moment uh, the comments I think score the next 
I don't know, five goals in the yeah. game, one, seven, and two. Mm-hmm. Um, is this the most intense hockey you've played in your career so far? Yeah, honestly, after uh, after a game, it's ice. But I think it's um, and playoff is way different during season. If, yeah. Even if you look you know, NHL game, it's way different. But I mean, here in the AHL, everyone wants to wants to go in the NHL or have a spot in the NHL. So every game, it's really hard. But it's even harder in playoff because you want to win, you want to go to uh, the Calder Cup and win it. So I think uh, every shift, it's it's hard. Everyone's Balling, block yeah. shots, if it's uh, yeah. it's uh, everything. So uh, right now, that's the hockey I like to. I always like yeah. playoff. To it's it's a grind. So. What's the furthest you got in the Quebec League? Well, uh, I went actually you when I was the Memorial in, Cup. I went, yeah, it was in Halifax when I was seventeen, but we lost in finals. But to who? Juan uh, Aranda. That they win uh, that year too. And we lost in finals, President Cup in. Oh, in the Quebec the, League. Yeah, and we lost in finals, Mem Cup too. <laughs> the, same the same team. team yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was man. crazy. That's not okay. So you know uh, the um, uh, this has got to be. I mean, it's at the same time it's fun, but I, I always wonder when you're sitting in the room before a game, do you get nervous, or then are you not nervous? You don't think about these things. Uh, honestly, the first time I I played there, my first three games, I remember. I played my first game in Toronto, and I was really nervous. And I think I played my worst three games in my life because but, you were nervous. Yeah, but like right now, like every guys, it's like it's they're so nice. They, it's it's a good room. It's a good room, like you said. Everyone's nice. Everyone's talking. If yeah. you need to question, ask question, yeah. I just ask. So right now, I just that's all. I think I'm. I, I have success in my career so far. It's just to play my game. Don't be nervous. Just have fun. That's that's what it is. Just have fun. And I think when we, you have fun, you have um, good uh, good things that comes for you. So I don't think we can end on a better note than that. Let's hope we're having fun. It would be nice to not have to go. If fans are hearing this on Monday, but it'd be nice not to go to Toronto mm-hmm. one more time. Yeah. Thanks for doing this, Xavier. Appreciate it very much. And best luck the rest of the way. Thank you. We'll come right back after this. Welcome back on Comets Insider, the very last Comets Insider of the 2022-23 season. And this one uh, ends, of course, with the Comets being defeated by the Toronto Marlies in the best of five series, three games to one. You look back at the the way the Comets uh, played during the course of the year. That's where we're going to highlight some of the great moments of the 2022-23 season, the 10th anniversary of the Comets um, franchise and we'll just we'll go right into it because there were some players who really did play some absolutely fantastic hockey during the course of the year, were huge parts of the success that the Comets were able to have. You know, it was an up-and-down season. They, they started off in pretty much a slow team out of the gate trying to figure out their offense while the, the defensive side of the game was very good. They had a, a tougher time getting goals in their favor, but that, that corrected itself as the team went on during the course of the year. And several players were really responsible for turning things around, and we're going to highlight some of those players now. And why not start with a man who uh, came, uh, came, a man, he barely a man, right? He just turned pro at 18 years old. Shimo Nemitz, second overall this past summer. Well, he scored his first ever pro goal at home against Cleveland, and we're going to highlight that goal now. Shimo Nemitz, his first ever American Hockey League goal scored against the Monsters early in the season on the 28th of uh, October. He won't forget this one because it was a fantastic moment for the Comets, for the Devils organization, and for Shimo Nemitz. Hutchison drags it in. Hutchison with shot stop. Cheyenne had the answer. There's the mission. Now Hutchison down low. Back to the point. Here's an opportunity.
in the American Hockey League. Shimo Nemitz. Yes, sir. He held it. He shot it off the post and in. A thing of beauty for your first goal. Oh, yeah. That's his all right. Yeah, Shimo Nemitz, uh, what a story. He just continued to grow and grow and get bigger and bigger and uh, more responsible as the game went on and the season went on. He was fantastic. Well, let's highlight Alex Holtz, a guy who came down from the NHL, a little stint, went back up to the NHL, then came back down again. It was an overtime goal right around Thanksgiving and a victory for Utica on the 26th of November. Alex Holtz ends the game in Charlotte with a beautiful shot and in the back of the net. Cross ice. Oh, they thought maybe that was it. Levchi knocked down. Alex Holtz picks it up. Now, now, the Comets have the puck in overtime. But Holtz is attacked by two Checkers players. And the puck comes free again. Riley Walsh lost the handle. And Charlotte comes up with it again. They'll play it off the wall. Reacquired. Here's a chance. Johnson. Holtz. 2-1-0. Holtz. Scores! Alex Holtz. Game winner! And the Comets have won the game! 3-2! to two. Yes, sir. The Swedish duo on a 2-on-0 finished by Mr. Alex Holtz. And the Comets are victorious in Charlotte. Yeah, that was Alex Holtz and Andreas Johnson, a name we haven't heard in a while, but uh, they got it done. The Swedish combination came together to win the game. Well, speaking about wins and guys who score goals, there was a big moment of the season is the Comets had struggled against Syracuse this this season. They really struggled against them. And uh, one of the moments that turned it around was Nolan Foote in overtime scoring almost, I think immediately, we're going to hear it together, off the faceoff. Nolan Foote is a force with a puck on his stick. Nobody can shoot the puck like he can. And Nolan Foote gave the Comets a win. And this, I think, turned the season in their favor a little bit. Uh, the trajectory went back to Utica. Uh, and in that season series, here's Nolan Foote's overtime winner on the 21st of January. Comets win the faceoff. That's big. They win the faceoff in overtime. And a chance now to hold on and win the game. Let's see. Nolan Foote on the entry. Foot fanning on it. Gets it right back. He scores! 12 seconds into overtime. Nolan Foote wins the hockey game for the Comets. 3-2. Well, it didn't take long, did it? It took 12 seconds to win the game as Nolan Foote celebrates with his team. That was a face-off win by Utica. Nolan Foote got the puck, skated down the ice, beat the defense, and scored to win the game. Nolan Foote is like a bull when he's moving in with his feet quickly into the zone. You just have a hard time moving the kid off the puck. Well, speaking of players who had incredible seasons, can we talk very long? We probably talked long enough without talking about Graham Clark and uh, what a contribution he made to the team and just a, a phenomenal hockey player and a really, really uh, great person as well. Graham Clark led the team in scoring. He did everything you could ask for him to do. And, uh, and and just you can't say enough about his contribution. So we're going to highlight a goal. It was the 22nd of uh, February and an overtime win against Cleveland on the road. And uh, Graham Clark got it done. As you get him the puck on his stick and forget about it. 
Johnson wrestles it free. He along with... Oh, he was tripped up, I thought. No call. Now it's an entry by Walsh. Firing! Hit the post! Walsh hit the iron. Tries again now. We'll pick it up on the blue line. Toss to Johnson. Johnson on his backhand. Fire save. Rebound loose. Clark has it. He scores! The Comets win this game in overtime. Four to three. It took 47 seconds. Graham Clark. Goals in three straight games. That one's a game winner. Yeah, he ended up having a lot of game winners, didn't he? It seems like Graham Clark has just had a lot of game winners because that's how good he was all season. We highlighted uh, Nolan Foote earlier, but we got to talk about Nolan Foote, and this was a, a shootout win at home, and we've had a lot of overtime winners on the road, but uh, we had some big moments in the extra sessions right here in the Adirondack Bank Center, and Nolan Foote took the crowd of uh, thousands to their feet. This was later in the season on the 2nd of April in a shootout. Nolan Foote gets it done. Comets send out Nolan Foot. He scored one. I like his chance for scoring another. Foot rolls wide to the right. Now in. Shoots and scores! Foot came down the right-hand side. Just paused for a second, made the goalie go down. He had the entire net to himself. One nothing, good guys. And that was what they needed to win that shootout game against Syracuse. And and then I think it's pretty safe to say the best moment of the entire season came in the postseason. I don't get tired of playing this one enough. It's Sam LaBerge in overtime winning the game for Utica against Laval, the series winner. Powerlick tying up with his man Schooneman. It comes the other way for Tyler Watherspoon. Bouncer. To the left side of Primo. Now on the point for Nemitz. He'll deliver it to Talvetti. This looks like a power play. But it is not. It's five on five. Continuing here in overtime. Howerlick along the boards. Help on the point. Nemitz has it again. He'll roll it back down the left wing side. It's Xavier Perron. Twisting and turning. Looking for an outlet. He's got it now in Nemitz. Nemitz waiting. Shooting. Scores! With a great look to Sam LaBerge. Stick down in front. Gets a great tip. And the Comets move on to face the Marlies. Yeah, they go on to face the Marlies. And eventually, of course, the Marlies would win the series. But uh, we'll take the next couple of seconds here just to say thank you to everyone who is a part of this. Everyone at 94.9 K-Rock, the entire Galaxy crew. Uh, Nick Ailes specifically on the pregame show. Absolutely phenomenal stuff all season long. We can't thank him enough and everybody involved and all the listeners. Thank you so much for being a part of Comets Insider each and every week. We're going to be back next season and a chance to win another Calder Cup. That's the best thing about sports. It didn't happen this year, and uh, God willing, it'll happen next season. Thank you so much for listening. Good night, and God love you.